welcome to Streaming Into the Void, where we discuss all the streaming news for the week ending September 10th, 2022. This week, how many times can we say Bob Iger was right? I'm Kim Hollis, waiting for my Madison spinoff. I don't know what that is. You will. Also, Tim Brighty, content creator and gamer, not the next King of England. Prayers up for the hundreds injured in the snark avalanche that occurred on social media yesterday after the death of the Queen. <laughs> Indeed. Also, David Mumpower, author of Behind the Ride, streaming media analyst, and one for one on NFL Pick'em this year. Take that, Rams. I'm still bitter about the Super Bowl where you should have lost. <laughs> <laughs> and the podcast is produced and edited by Raul Burial, who is now immune to Omicron, but clearly not sore arms. Ow. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just one shot in one arm, right? still hurts okay in our rapid fire this week bob Iger said it best during his interview at the code conference speaking to kara swisher Iger said that linear tv is marching towards a great precipice and it will be pushed off how cheery um (laughs) yeah i guess Iger hadn't said anything in a while and he just wanted to make (laughs) more enemies i I don't know um Cineworld this week basically came out and said that it's over, they're doing what they can, but that if you own stock in Cineworld, but you have not loaned Cineworld money, your stock is worthless, which, you know, at 10 cents a share, you'd probably figure that out anyway, but you still might have hoped. Iger is kind of taking that approach to both linear television and the movie industry, where he's basically saying everything you knew 10 years ago is dead, whether the people involved know it or not. You know, it's not a new thing. God knows we've said it a lot here, but he He has not made friends with this declaration. When Iger says this, he's not saying anything we don't know. I mean, for the body of eight years, no exaggeration, Iger had to answer during every earnings report, what are you doing about linear television? Everyone knows this is happening. The young programming on network television at this point, the average viewer is 50 years old. Actually, it's 54. It's four years beyond that, which means that I'm an old man and I'm younger than average for people watching linear television. There's just not a marketplace here for anyone who is under 40 whatsoever. So it is dead in its conventional status. And I get that. I do. But when he says things, when he has this sort of stature, it, it just feels detrimental to the process. At this point, I suppose he's he's earned the right to rest on his laurels. He certainly came in with this view that the world was changing. And now whether the world changed because he changed it or the world changed and he happened to ride the wave is arguable. But the fact of the matter is that Disney pivoted at the right time to put themselves in a place to be ready for when linear TV was going to end. And Disney now is uh, celebrating. We are, in fact, recording this on the day after Disney Plus Day, which some people will tell you was maybe not necessarily as spectacular as it could have been. But I think I think it had plenty to offer. And uh, this isn't the end of the announcements coming from Disney. There's plenty more to come this weekend, isn't there? Yeah, we're recording this on Friday night. D23 is technically 
has started, but the big D23 events will happen tomorrow and Sunday. As a matter of fact, literally while we were discussing this podcast, word just came that there's going to be a Lion King sequel, prequel, I don't even know, called Mufasa. So probably a prequel, but I haven't actually seen the announcement yet. I was just informed of it. So this is how breaking the news is for us. Disney is about to say, okay, all the stuff you were waiting on during the pandemic, here it is. And we don't know what form it'll take. And that will be reflected in this week's podcast. We'll catch up next week. In light of this, we are celebrating Disney Plus Week, so let's get right to the box office and ratings. Tim, what have you got for us? Uh, well, Disney doesn't have much to talk about the box office, but the thing that we predicted might happen on Labor Day weekend at the box office did indeed happen because your number one movie in its 15th weekend in theaters, Top Gun Maverick. I think that Tom Cruise has a uh, great career ahead of him. Yeah, that's that's this is a great performance, that up-and-comer. Uh, <laughs> it was weird. Like, there's movie theaters suddenly declared it what movie theater day or movie movie watching day. what did what did they what did they they call that the saturday the third cinema day with three cinema days day. with three days notice they decided <clears throat> hey everybody cinema day this saturday <laughs> And offered, you know, cheaper tickets to try to drum up some some business. And yeah, it worked to, well, no, it, it, it didn't work all that well because, you know, the top movie, again, Top Gun Maverick was with, you know, $6 million. A Spider-Man No Way Home re-release called the the More Fun Stuff version. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was yeah, I'm not making that up, was actually third. Yeah, it's, again, this, this is, this is not good. And now that they don't even have a holiday weekend to celebrate, not that Labor Day weekend has ever been good. It's just not not good news at the at the box office for for theaters right right now. And we we keep saying this point, but it is absolutely true. And this is going to be devastating for this industry, especially anyone who owns stock in Cineworld. Look, this is what we've been talking about the past two years coming to fruition. While everyone's saying, "Hey, there will be a turnaround," the money people are starting to figure out that's illusory. That was unlikely to happen. And the reason why is you need products. Specifically, you need high quality product. And there's just not been enough of those productions during the pandemic. Now, maybe two years down the line, we'll start to see a lessening of what's happening right now, but it's also possible people will be happy enough with the current trending that they're making enough money that they won't fill the need. And it is not up to movie makers to prop up the theater industry, which is what we've been saying all along. This is a capitalist marketplace, and I don't know what delusions the people have been under who've been saying, hey, guess what? They're going to save cinema. Nobody's going to save cinema. And just a footnote here, but of course, Cinema Day could only have happened now because there weren't any big movies opening. Theaters have obligations to the studios to pay a certain amount per ticket sold to the studios. And there just weren't any big movies to, to open. These were movies that are already played out. The Spider-Man re-release, the Top Gun Maverick in its 15th week. But the Ninth Place movie was a re-release of Jaws. <laughs> There you we go. should make fun of that. I'm actually really, really glad to see that happening because that shows at least some people inside the movie theater industry are starting to figure things out. That is the strategy. You should be re-releasing things that did not necessarily do well in theaters the first time. Cult classics. Iron Giant is something that should be done like that. Almost Famous, we've seen some recently. Big blockbusters people love like Jaws that maybe they've never seen on the big screen. They're dirt cheap to exhibit and they will pull a significant amount of money, which means we can go ahead and fast forward to next month and say there is a chance that even though we're past the pandemic, we see Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas or we see Hocus Pocus in the top 10 on the box office charts if 
they're smart enough to give these titles 1500 venues. Oh, wow. Yeah, that would be a stroke of genius if they were able to pull, pull it off. Because we know when we talked about Nielsen last year and the year before, both those films suddenly appeared in October because it's what people want to watch for Halloween. These are the things that movie theater industry has been too intransigent to do in the past. They need to be adaptive and fluid if they're going to overcome this. And you mentioned just two Disney movies there, David. We know of two other Disney movies that are actually getting re-releases with absolute certainty, and that's Star Wars Rogue One and Avatar. Both of those movies are coming up, and you're thinking while Avatar has been pulled from Disney Plus to promote the release of Avatar 2 in December, Rogue One continues to stream on Disney Plus. And you're thinking in a couple of weeks, we're probably going to be see, seeing that one in the Nielsen's. I am because there is the new Rogue One prequel coming out called Andor about one of the characters from that, the one played by Diego Luna. And I suspect that as Disney starts marketing this, and it was one of the integral marketing products for Disney Plus Day. So there's going to be a push and I suspect it's going to make people go, oh, I really liked Rogue One. Let's go ahead and watch Rogue One in anticipation of this. That's the type of thing Disney gets that it drives me crazy that people who actually exhibit movies for a living don't anticipate. This really takes us back to the earliest days of the pandemic when AMC was struggling so much. And I said that this was an opportunity for Disney to buy themselves a movie theater chain because what do they do in those screens when there is no new content? They replay some of their old movies and then they repurpose some of that floor space as retail space, as entertainment space. That is still very much in the cards. And as we start seeing more and more movies getting re-released, it really speaks to that model. It absolutely does. And there's also a new player in this, which is that Amazon could consider this as well. I know, Raul, you've supported that idea in the past. These are things that we were saying a couple of years ago, you especially, that at the time would have seemed just completely out of left field. And now everybody's going, wait a minute, that makes sense. If nothing else, you've got future warehouse space if the plan doesn't work out. So you've got a fallback contingency. And frankly, right now, you can buy one of the biggest movie theater chains in history for pennies on what it should cost because there's so much fluctuation in the business. A savvy entrepreneur really does have an opportunity here to restore the theatrical experience enough to turn a significant profit here and also acquire land and buildings for cheap. All right, Tim, how about you now tell us about the ratings? Great. We have the Nielsen streaming ratings for Monday, August 8th through Sunday, August 14th. And the top show, as expected, last week is The Sandman, uh, a bit under 1.4 billion minutes watched for its first full week. So that's about 30% expansion from last week, right? Yeah, sounds right. And yeah, I think that's that's about probably what we would have anticipated. Uh, Nielsen, of course, is still listing 11 episodes when only 10 have actually aired. The 11th will actually be reflected in next week's ratings. Uh, so I think we actually will see it hold steady or maybe a slight bump with the addition of that 11th episode. Mm -hmm. But I do want to point out with a month's more data that you know we, we don't have yet, still not renewed for a second season. Yeah, I want to go ahead and first of all, remind people I was wrong about this. I was afraid it would go down or plateau after week one, and it actually has expanded, which gives me more hope. However, yes, this ties into a, a recent story that a service that really doesn't have very accurate reporting is indicated. Netflix is considering changing their entire business model where instead of allowing binges of everything, for example, co 
Cobra Kai just came out today while we're recording this. Rather than watching every episode of Cobra Kai once, they would adopt the model that the other streaming services use, which is weekly new episodes. And Tim, with Sandman in particular, that seems like that would be really beneficial, doesn't it? Yeah, I could see that. And I, I do think uh, Stranger Things, which of course is their absolute biggest show. So I guess you can sort of call that proof of concept with what they did, putting out those final episodes a month after the release of the rest of the season. I think it's something they're going to creep towards with all their well-known shows. You know, I wouldn't do it with a with the first season of something, but I could see you know them doing it with a Squid Game season two. I could see them doing it with, they're definitely going to do it for the next season of Stranger Things. And some of there any other other big big hits they are going to either split the season into not necessarily half but like here's 75 percent of it and then two weeks later here's here's the rest of it so maybe they get you know two months of people's uh subscription fees for for one show because you know there were people who were just like yeah i'm just gonna subscribe resubscribe netflix watch stranger things and then and then cancel and i'm good and then you know they put out those last two episodes a month later and people were probably like, curse you netflix you got my money twice how dare you? So I, I think they're going to adapt that model going forward, and and yeah, they're gonna they're gonna put things out weekly or at least in chunks over a short period of time, just just to get that viewership and those subscriptions. And I love what Tim says there because it gives me the mental image of people shaking their fists in the sun, going, "Damn you, Netflix! No, I can't cancel." So Netflix gets another twenty dollars out of them. But the other thing here that I think is important is on the other end, which is everybody who works with Netflix knows the deal. It is entirely algorithm based. And again, I don't necessarily give any credibility to the site posting this rumor, but I understand the logic of the rumor in that Netflix solves the problem here. They currently have Neil Gaiman, the creator of Sandman, begging people to keep watching because the suckers like us, Kim and I, who were savoring the show by watching, you know, an episode every couple of days, were actually hurting him. We were showing as not finishing the show on Netflix. That's the metric they have that seems to matter the most of all of them. And so here's the creator of it saying, please, please, please finish watching it. We had to leave it running in a different room so that we wouldn't actually count against Netflix. So this solves that problem on the Netflix end when they're actually doing something weekly. Now that type of thing can actually be encouraged where they're like, great, don't watch all the Sandman right now. Watch it once a week for the next two and a half months. And suddenly it's not a bad thing that people don't want to rush through everything. We've actually created a culture with Netflix where if you're not dropping everything you do to watch the program, you're hurting the program's metrics and chances of renewal. Okay. Uh, the aforementioned Stranger Things still in second, uh, still topping 1.1 billion minutes uh, viewed now over two months after the release of the, ma the majority of, of its season, which is just absolutely wild. Uh, Virgin River in third, 934 million minutes viewed. We've seen that for a while now. And we do have a Couple shows returning to the originals chart this week. The first of which in fourth is Lock and Key, 919 million minutes viewed for 28 episodes. Good for Joe Hill. And I think it does kind of show that if it had not been named as the final season, I'm not sure it would have had this sort of devotion. Oh, yeah. This was the third and final season, which dropped on August 10th. And I, I do don't remember doing those kind of numbers. I think we were kind of like thinking it was a disappointment or maybe you guys just didn't like the second season if i remember right <laughs> 
Yeah, I think this was in in range of what it did last time. Uh, I'm not looking at the data right now, but I feel like it was hovering around a billion minutes then too. But yeah, we kind of, we love the comics. And sometimes when you love something like that, you're the worst critic when the show comes out and it's not exactly what you expect it to be. We have something else new in fifth. I just killed my dad, a title that if you Google probably gets you on a list somewhere. Uh, an unfortunate 655 million minutes viewed for this three episodes of garbage. What is wrong with you people? Ugh, seriously. There's much better documentaries on there. I mean, come on. Do they all have to be about murder and true crime and really horrible, horrible stuff? Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, another returning show, though. Never Have I Ever. 596 million minutes viewed. 30 episodes. This is what? Mindy Kaling show? That's correct. Okay. It's built up a little following, I'd say. Yep. The third season of... 10 episodes arrived on the 12th. So that's a pretty good number. And the they've already renewed it for a fourth, which will be the final season for next year. So yeah, good good job there. Hulu's Only Murders in the Building, 379 million minutes uh, in seventh, uh, now up to 18 episodes, which sounds right. I think it's another get two more weeks before the uh, finale would show up here. Uh, another new show in eighth. This is from Amazon Prime Video, A League of Their Own, 326 million minutes for eight episodes, which uh, premiered on August 12th. Amazon likes to mix it up. Sometimes releasing them weekly and sometimes releasing everything all at once. And sometimes just a couple episodes all at once. So you just never know what you're going to get. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if they, it's the, it's their, they're hedging their, their bets with certain things. Like if they know it's going to be something, something big, they will put it out weekly. If they're not sure they'll, they'll drop the whole, the whole season. I, I don't feel like there's a direct exact pattern for, Amazon's release strategy, but yeah, it, it is always curious how they they seem to switch it up like that. Also, whoever didn't tell me that Darcy Carden is in this show is fired. <laughs> I will say that I'm happy to see this listed here because there wasn't really the buzz for the show I would have liked for, you know... Uh, an authentic adaptation of a very, very popular Tom Hanks movie. I think there's a pretty strong chance this actually can earn its way to renewal. And I think it'll get a bump next week too, because this is just a three-day number. And if you're not a Netflix show and you're here, you're you're doing something right. So I think I think we'll see it, if not a couple, not if not a couple slots higher, but that definitely in terms of minutes watched. And the other thing is that it's pleasing the LBGTQ community because they're actually telling the story the way it should have been. Because I'm not. Just Joking around, two of the principal players in this did not come out until they were in their 90s. 90s. Can you imagine how much frustration they must have had in their lives for this? So I love that their story is being told. Yeah, I saw that, and that's awesome. Uh, ninth is uh, the a rare show we didn't talk about because it is probably just didn't really stand out. Instant Dream Home, 322 million minutes for eight episodes. Uh, it's your standard reality home renovation series uh, where they they do it all in a 12 hour period rather than like say over the course of like a couple days or, or so probably one of those just like wacky, you know, eccentric, you know, interior designers and decorators sort of sort of thing. I'm surprised that their sex dungeon show didn't make the top 10. <laughs> Wait, that was real? <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Uh, and 10th is a show we saw last week, Trainwreck with Stack 99, uh, 305 million minutes for the three episode documentary. Probably much more entertaining than I Just Killed My Dad. Uh, over in movies, it is, again, an Encanto free list. So, holy cow, what's wrong with you, Disney? You, you're 
you're failing here. Uh, but it's led by Uncharted, a uh, bit under 1.2 billion minutes. So yeah, that's definitely a solid both theatrical and streaming hit. Do acquired instead, you coward. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought this was a really solid number for Uncharted. And, uh, you know, we, we talked about it last week. It, it just seems like exactly the type of product that is perfect for the 2022 type of release where it goes into theaters for a little while and then it goes to streaming and everybody is really happy because it's catering to both audiences. In a perfect world, we would see day and date, but, you know, we're not quite there yet. So people just aren't comfortable with that, but we're getting there. The one big new movie for this week is Day Shift from Netflix. 982 million minutes for this Jamie Foxx comedy. Comedy? Is that what they're calling it? Comedy. Yeah. Action comedy film. Yes. The the vampire hunting movie. Yes. Yes. Also starring the top billing here is Jamie Foxx, Dave Franco, and Snoop Dogg. Ah, there's the comedy. Yes, there's the comedy. That's it. Jamie Foxx finally uh, cutting in on Kevin Hart's uh, action here. Yes, he was too busy to make this one. <laughs> but don't worry, he'll have something disappointing in a couple of weeks. In third, here's Lightyear from Disney Plus, 700 million minutes. They're only a movie on the list again. So what what the heck, Disney? That is a little surprising. They tend to have several movies on the list, typically. Yeah, usually they're, they're evergreen content, and we thought Encanto would never leave, but it doesn't even crack uh, 230 million minutes, which is the, the 10th place movie this week. Hmm. And fourth, we have Prey, 480 million minutes. So I think we're a little disappointed that it didn't mm-hmm. take a big jump that we expected. But I think this is the failings of Nielsen's model here. Because I, I definitely remember uh, Hulu and, and or Disney saying that Prey was Hulu's biggest movie ever. And the numbers may be indeed big enough to be Hulu's biggest movie ever because we typically don't see them on the movies chart or you know they, they get the occasional show uh, on, on the list. You know, and we've seen Only Murders in the Building. We've seen Handmaid's Tale, but um, I feel like it. If that was true, we, the numbers would be a little higher. But I think it's it, there's a couple factors here, and it's mostly how how they how they get their numbers. That's at least what I'm going with. Netflix's Purple Hearts still here in fifth, 370 million minutes. Uh, Amazon's Thirteen Lives, we saw that last week, takes a small jump, 333 million minutes. Uh, Sing 2, still here from Netflix in 7th, 316 million minutes. Uh, there are big flop, The Gray Man, 265 million minutes in 8th. But new in ninth, Wedding Season, 234 million minutes. Which one is this? Which one? Yes, <laughs> there are multiple wedding seasons. This one happens to be Indian American romantic comedy movie that's on Netflix and not the romantic comedy series that's on Hulu. Ah. <laughs> yes, just in case you were keeping score. You can never be sure. And since we needed one weird one this week in 10th is Flight, 230 million minutes for the 2012 Denzel Washington movie. Okay. Just remind you, this is the one that got awards consideration and Denzel Washington gets drunk and flies a plane upside down. <laughs> I knew the first part. I didn't know about the last part, about the, about the flying the plane upside down. Wow. That, that's, yep. Okay. He saves the day and then it turns out he's drunk and it takes a turn from there. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I, I did check the list of movies that came back to Netflix in August. This was not one of them. So why it's here, you, you got me. Okay. Meanwhile, do Inacquired, it, you coward. Do Inacqu- it. Inacquired, David, this is for you. While it is 10 shows we have seen before, this week it is led by none other than Bluey. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah. Bluey. Bluey. Bluey for the win. 917 million minutes for its 112 episodes. Uh, David, what the hell happened? 
I think that Nilsson just finally figured out that they weren't calculating things correctly because as everyone who listens to this podcast know, I've been saying for two years, this is consistently one of the two most watched things on this service. If Disney Plus subscribers are increasing at the rate they are, Bluey views should have been going up exponentially at roughly the same rate. (laughs) The only other explanation here is every other parent on the planet suddenly said, you know what, we'll just watch it on the big TV today, honey. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Um, I love that. The only other mildly interesting thing is Game of Thrones is back again, but but Friends is gone. Mm -hmm. So apparently we have a limit of two HBO Max shows per week on the acquired (laughs) list. (laughs) Uh, 431 million minutes in in seventh. Uh, Big Bang Theory is a 399 million minutes. But yeah, I, when when I opened up the the ratings and, and saw Bluey on top, I was my my mind was blown. I was incredibly happy for David because this was just all sorts of validation for him. This is more than Bluey's previous two best weeks combined. Yes. So it is one of those things. It's probably a statistical anomaly, just a really, really strange one. But the other thing I want to point out here is I thought Riverdale's number of 578 million minutes was really, really good. Yeah, we've we've seen that show before. I assume it's the same pattern where the episodes that just aired a couple months ago on the CW showed up on Netflix. So people went, went back to it, but yeah, that's, that's actually a very solid number for, for fifth. Doesn't seem to be anything big next week. So I'm looking to see what happens with day shift. I'm guessing not much. And to see what salmon does with the addition of that final episode, which appears to be either two episodes counted as one, or perhaps a really long one. Maybe it's again, the the same stranger things model. And yeah, I think, I think that's what Netflix is going to do with their shows. They that either are, or they believe will be hits going forward. In our green lights and cancellations this week at Amazon Prime Video, the highly anticipated Paper Girls didn't immediately bring in Stranger Things numbers, so it's been canceled after only one season. It was or is produced by Legendary Television, so they're going to shop it around. But it's starting to feel like Legendary needs a stronger foundation in Hollywood. They definitely feel slighted by Warner Brothers when they put their Godzilla vs. Kong movie on streaming day and date with theaters. And now they're looking for a new distributor. Maybe it's just time somebody bought Legendary. Uh, They do seem to have a nice collection of content. But at the same time, I feel like Paper Girls just didn't get its due. The marketing on it wasn't as big as it could have been. And it didn't necessarily tell you what the story was when you initially watch the the teasers and the trailers. Maybe people just didn't really know what it was. And so they, they didn't watch. So if you're scoring at home, that's The Runaways, Why the Last Man, and Paper Girls, three Brian K. Vaughn series that all got television adaptations in between them. The three series got five seasons. Come on, folks! As expected, Hulu has renewed The Handmaid's Tale for a sixth season, just as its fifth season premiered on streaming. But this will also be its last season. Yeah, I kind of saw that coming when we talked about the premiere of season five just last week. They seem to always announce the renewal just as the uh, new season comes out. But also at six seasons, this show was getting a little long in the tooth for a streaming series. Uh, They probably want to wrap up the narrative. A lot of the viewers probably feel there's been a lot of padding going on around here. It's certainly taken a lot of liberties with the original source material since then. There's Uh, only one book, right? It's not a series. 
That okay, is correct. So they've long passed what what that story in, entails. I mean, I'm sure they're working with Margaret Atwood for yeah. the for the story, but yeah, that's that's a lot of episodes of a show for a mm-hmm. for something based on a single book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the real problem is life has imitated art way, way, way too much. So it's kind of tough. It is that as well. Oh, the memes, the memes. And Peacock has won a bidding war for The Show Must Go On, described as a darkly comedic murder mystery anthology series. The first season will take place in the lead up to a live televised performance of Andrew Lloyd Webber's The Phantom of the Opera. Oh, a darkly comedic murder mystery? Where have I seen this before? <laughs> also set <laughs> just behind the, the scenes theater. at a Broadway theater? Weird. Okay, as always, we close out with what's been keeping us busy. And the new game, Disney Dreamlight Valley, came out this week. A lot of people will try to potentially compare it to Animal Crossing. And it has some of those elements, but it is actually a lot like a previous Disney game, Disney Magical Worlds, that I played on a couple different systems. I think the Nintendo DS or the 3DS and the Switch both had it. Fun little game. You have missions. You decorate your house, the town, build friendship with the different Disney characters. And it's just a lot of fun. Also, if you're not watching She-Hulk, watch it. It's so fun. Raul, how about you? I've been talking about the resort on Peacock since it premiered. It stars Kristen Milioti, who I'm increasingly disliking with every new role. And uh, The Good Places, William Jackson Harper as a couple who take a 10-year anniversary trip to a resort in Mexico. But while there, they stumble upon clues to the disappearance of a couple a decade ago. A fantastic supporting cast joins them on the journey, including Nick Offerman and Mexican actors Luis Gerardo Mendez and Gabriela Cartol. Mendez really steals the show. Indeed, sometimes I wonder if this is his mystery to solve and everyone else is along for the ride. Luis Guzman puts in a hilarious cameo as a tortured author that alone makes the whole series worthwhile. The early episodes give hints of some metaphysical elements, which ultimately pay off in the finale. It's a highly satisfying mystery with some really mind-bending twists and turns. It's eight episodes, each only about 35 minutes long, and you can watch them all now on Peacock. All right. And Tim, how about you? Tim, Uh, let me just say right now, we may owe you an apology. May. (laughs) I still think it's a work. Partial validation. I will take it. Uh, Hey, did anything in wrestling happen this week? No? Okay. Well, just just skip me this week, Tim. No, actually, it was one of the best and most fascinating weekends in wrestling possibly ever. Despite David's protests, WWE is slowly riding the ship and also proving that the talent was never the problem. And now they they don't have to deal with a uh, senile 70-year-old man uh, at, at the top of the company as they delivered an outstanding pay-per-view uh, clash at the castle. If you have Peacock, so hey, two of us are talking about Peacock this week, go find the event and watch the match featuring Gunter, better known as Walter to people who knew him before, and Seamus, which was just a brutally awesome match as you know, Wal- uh, Walter, the 
well, the wrestler formerly known as Walter, is one of the best wrestlers in the world who has been kind of smothered in his WWE run so far, but he finally got to do his thing in front of just an insanely hot crowd who was just loved every single thing that happened on the, on that show. And the whole show really was quite good just, just on top of that match, but that match was just absolutely amazing to, to watch. Uh, and then on Sunday, we had AEW's All Out pay-per-view, which was, of course stellar if just too long but i think they've learned their lesson going forward but with what they implied that the next event will be they, they called it a two-night event with the first night being their show on uh, on rampage and then the pay-per-view event on saturday so maybe it won't be another five-hour show where they cram every single person on the card that they possibly can and then of course there's the thing that happened after the pay-per-view went off the air and there, there was a media conference where cm punk aired out some laundry that you know probably he he, he shouldn't have but that's just you know who, who he is and it led to an altercation that has just been the talk of the wrestling world for the, for the entire week leading to a brawl suspensions and we may never exactly find out what happened after that but it should have its own you know three episode netflix documentary instead of things like <laughs> i just killed my dad it would be insanely more interesting but yeah it is it's a it's a good time to be a wrestling fan again because both companies are putting out watchable product for, for the for the first time in a very long time, especially WWE. So yeah, you can you can watch all their stuff on, on Peacock. AEW's on, on TV. I I assume they will end up with a streaming deal before long because they are just building up a content library. But it's it's a good time to get into into it right now if you are a Laps fan. Yep, I don't like it when my favorites fight, and that is exactly what I'm dealing with. He, he is who he is who we all thought we, except you guys, thought he was. It's a word. I'm still not convinced about that. Yeah, <laughs> I still work. remain unsure. But with that said, I I have <laughs> I have T-shirts for a few wrestlers, and I have them for CM Punk, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks. <laughs> so and she once scared the crap out of a young buck at an airport true story <laughs> yeah, that is that is true that is true um, well, one of those people we definitely know is a good is a good human being i'm sure the the, the young bucks are actually fine they're just jerks in character but that's uh, it's the other guy i have issues with yeah i i just you know i've been very conflicted this week let's just say that i, I get it i get it. yep uh david how about you First of all, let me say that I watched Letterman Live the night that Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman got into it. <laughs> I knew at the time something was wrong, and I waited until The Man in the Moon came out for Jerry Lawler to finally come out and say it. I am half convinced that they are filming all these videos right now going, oh, the internet will believe anything. Let's do this. I am half convinced, so we'll see. But. I may be wrong. I will say that the match between the acclaimed and Swerve in Our Glory is as good as yep. the wrestling medium allows. Tim's yep. talking about this other crap nobody cares about. Oh, if you want to watch pro wrestling, see, Tim's being very, very nice about my thing, and I'm dumping on him. I, I apologize. His thing was very good. That was probably that was that was my the match you're talking about is probably my second favorite match of of the weekend. The person he's referring to is Gunter. His name is Walter, and I cannot stand they've changed it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Swerve in Our Glory, Swerve Strickland is an absolute star, and I loved it. And the other thing we did, because y'all wouldn't shut up about it, we finally gave the bear a chance last night, and it wasn't at all what we expected. But I also thought, as far as timeliness goes, 
I'm not sure you could come up with anything better than a financially destitute restaurant in the post-pandemic society. So that really resonated with me, although as a shameless fan, I'm basically just seeing Lip basically play himself as a chef. And so it's kind of a weird process. But uh, I like the first one and we'll definitely watch more. Thank you for listening to Streaming Into the Void. Please consider subscribing via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we welcome your feedback. Remember that we're on social media at Streaming Void and online at streamingintothevoid.com. If you like what you're hearing, please consider rating us and giving us a review in your favorite podcast player. Be sure to watch for us again next week. <laughs>